G'day everyone and welcome back to another episode of Free Kick, the AFLW pod- fantasy podcast. Today we are talking the Gold Coast Suns and to join me as usual we have Liam. How's it going? I'm very good, Will. I'm excited. I'm keen. Keen to talk about some Suns. Yeah, Gold Coast have quickly become one of my favourite teams to uh, to watch and discuss so let's jump into it. Liam, give us a bit of a history of the Suns. So, season seven for the Suns was by far and away their best season. They finished five and five and just outside the eight, actually, and really put it down to basically just a really bad loss against Brisbane during the year as being part of the reason why they didn't manage to make finals after having finished three, one, and six the season prior. That kind of speaks to a lot of what have been has been going on at the Suns, which is they've always had the the big sister up the road in Brisbane being that really dominant side and and have really struggled to get results against them, which has always kind of set their season back outside of being competitive in a lot of games against some, you know, a pretty accomplished sides otherwise. Yeah, and I think it was pretty impressive how they did go last season because they lost a lot of players to expansion, particularly to Port Adelaide. Yeah, well, they lost almost all of their leadership group last year. So it was, yeah, as you said, very impressive that they managed to pull together such a a coherent playing group. And even then, they had some injuries to some experienced midfielders during the season. Like uh, Jamie Stanton, ACL in, in week two. I guess that's a, a good transition into sort of what are the team changes? You know, who's coming in, who's coming out? Well, the the main... Well, we're going to start with the outs this time because they've already been discussed. Earlier mm. in this series, the two biggest outs were Ellie Hampson and Jade Progelli, kind of a very experienced key defender who would have been expected to, to roll right back into the side, if I'm being honest, in Jade. And then Ellie was inside one of the tightest midfield groups you could possibly imagine, just in terms of the, the number of people that rolled through there. And she's now, they're now both over at Brisbane. And in terms of their ins, there's no absolutely massive names. Like they've, Clara Fitzpatrick is a key defender from St Kilda, who probably takes the same role that Jade left. And then Maddie Brancatizano, Jordan Memory, and Ellie Mora, all who will be probably forward or forward adjacent players coming in this year. But none of them are like massive names kind of in the AFLW space. So it's not exactly been a massive off-season for this group. Yeah, for sure. I think it's basically speaks to how they improved last season because it means they're mostly just filling holes rather than requiring big names to improve. Yeah, and and that's going to make for some interesting fantasy analysis as well. Absolutely. Well, you did speak briefly about how they lost all their leaders, and apparently I've been integral in selecting Gold Coast leaders because <laughs> last year I picked uh, Tara Bahana as the as the captain for the Suns, and then that happened. And this year I've done it again because I've once again been able to appoint someone into a leadership role following the interview. For this episode, we managed to get New Gold Coast Leadership Group member Jack DePie onto the show. One of the best interviews I reckon I've done. Uh, it was great fun to chat to her. So let's jump straight into that now. How's it going, everyone? I'm Mel, and today we have a special guest interview with Jack DePie from Gold Coast. How are you going? Really good, thank you. And joined by Will, of course. How's it going, Will? I'm very well as well. Awesome. Um, so... 
thank you for coming onto the show. Uh, at time of recording, preseason has just started. So how's that been going? How are you? Yeah, really good. Thanks for having me. I'm excited to uh, chat with you guys. Um, yeah, preseason kicked off last week and yeah, vibes are up. We're having a ball. Um, I don't think many people enjoy the hard work of preseason, but I think yeah. it's we're just, yeah, loving being back and it's been, you know, a big break and also a big build up. So just awesome to be back around the club with everyone. Yeah. And Season seven was such a, a great season for the Suns. There was a lot of rapid improvement. You finished the year just outside of the finals with a 5-5 record. So I guess what were the key takeaways from last season that you bring into this season? Oh, so much. You're spot on. Like we obviously um, improved from our season before in season six. And I think the biggest takeaway is that, you know, that was a foundation um, season for us, I guess, season seven. And we're able to just build on that foundation going into season eight. And even just, yeah, coming off the track tonight, it, it really feels like that. It doesn't mm. feel like we had a, I don't know, we have a many month break. It <laughs> feels like, you know, um, we're just t- setting off where we, um, where we left things um, at the end of last season. So that's super exciting. And I think, um, yeah, with the additions that we've made in the off season, um, yeah, we're looking we're looking really good and, and it just feels great to to be back around the group and yeah, everyone's stoked to be here, which is cool. Awesome. Um, so we uh, did a couple of these interviews uh, ahead of season seven and we managed to have an interview with Tara Bahana, which was very hey. exciting. Um, and, and Will called out that he reckoned she would be captain and then she was, so, you know, I was very, very, very proud of that one, actually. That was, <laughs> that was my biggest call for the year that actually paid off. <laughs> no, it's a huge call, and and I'm not surprised that you picked it because yeah, she's a legend, and you can you can tell as soon as you chat to her that yeah, she is a leader um, at foremost. Well, I guess in that sense, we kind of wanted to actually just ask about that because she's obviously had a very incredible story rising up through the ranks. So, w- with all the changes that you did have last season, you basically lost your entire leadership group. How important was that leadership, and what was it like playing alongside her in the forward line? Oh, it's awesome. Uh, she's she's a phenomenal leader. Um, I think it's interesting, you know, probably from the outside to to say that, you know, we had a complete change of leadership group and and stuff. But I think, um, I guess, as players coming from season six to seven, it was really clear the the leadership that Tara had, um, and also just the ability of her to to set the standard. Um, and also just the the importance of being 100% yourself all the time. And I think that's probably the thing that has come through um, for our group and that growth of how important it is for everyone to belong. And Tara sets that example because she's unapologetically herself all the time mm. and makes everyone else feel safe to do that as well. Um, so I think, yeah, I guess going into that season seven, it was really clear I guess for us as a group that we knew who the leaders were, um, Beth Keeney being in there as well between season six and seven. So, you know, she um, she just carried on that role that she's always played for us in, in being a leader um, too. Yeah, nice. Uh, one of the things she mentioned when we interviewed her last year uh, was that she was saying that you're, you're going to be a big up-and-comer uh, in the coming seasons. So that was very exciting. Um, and we can see that that's already started to play out. So in your second, like, AFLW season, more time on ground, huge improvements. How are you feeling about the improvements you've seen in yourself so far and, like, what are you looking forward to continuing to build on? 
that's huge coming from Tara. Um, <laughs> thanks for that shout out, TB. Um, but I think for me, um, I guess my journey has kind of been like season six, getting called in um, sort of at the 11th hour um, was really just about, I guess, proving to myself that I deserve to be here. Um, and then I felt like season seven, I was then, um, I guess, able to prove um, to everyone else why I should be here. So I feel like coming into season eight, I really just want to get to the space of improving and not proving. Mm. And that's my focus of, you know, what else can I achieve? What can I bring to the group? Um, and really just do my role. I think firming up um, what my role is in the group has, um, I guess, been a bit of work in the off season. Joycey as well so I think yeah coming into um yeah give it a, a full crack and um yeah not not put any limits on what I can achieve yeah fantastic and I suppose just in that sense has there been a bit of a focus I guess on as you say improving rather than proving because do, do you now feel like you're an established AFLW club and you you feel like you deserve or, or you should be playing finals is that a focus that you've been putting in this season or going ahead to this season? I think for us, um, yeah, like in in the sense that we don't think we need to be proving anything mm. anymore. It's it's more about, I guess, internally, um, you know, the standards that we're setting for ourselves and, and you know, not shying away from the goal of, of making finals and, you know, winning a premiership and, and all of those things. Like that's... Mm. Um, that's what we're here for. That's what everyone in the, the league is here for. Yeah, of course. So I think for us it's about, okay, what do we need to get right internally um, mm. and just building um, on that foundation that we've built over the last two seasons with Joycey at the helm um, means that, you know, we've got a really clear game plan on what we um, are setting out there to do and and I think that that's the focus of, you know, we want to execute um, that game plan for longer than we have in pre- previous seasons, um, yeah, and play to our strengths of of what that is um, to be a Gold Coast son. Yeah, fantastic. And like you've mentioned that you've had the the continuity of having Joyce has um, been a really important thing for the club and it was quite a, a tumultuous off-season. There was a lot of, um, you know, people leaving last season and this season there's been a bit of ins and outs, but I suppose it's been more exciting recruits this season. I'm guessing that's probably been a real positive. Yeah, definitely. We're we're stoked with um the players that we've got in. Um I think we've we've gone for a real mix of young talent and, and established players um in the mix. And I think um yeah, we can be really happy with the recruitment that, that's gone on. Um yeah, and just seeing seeing those girls out on the track um already it, it's exciting that I feel like we've recruited um not just great players but also good people that fit in the mix and and what we need um specifically to build on from season seven which i think is yeah a huge um credit to joycey and and the whole team for knowing exactly what the playing group needs um and doing everything they can to make that happen you mentioned before the part of like what you're hoping to get into season eight is figuring out a bit more about your role um what type of like as you Kind of had a bit of a rough lower, I believe, in the past, and a bit of forward. And what are you hoping to get out of season eight? And like, um, where where are the club looking to play you, and where are you looking to play? 
yeah, I think um, it's it'd be no um, secret in me sharing that I'm going to want to establish myself as a key forward mm. um, primarily. Um, that will that will definitely be a focus. Obviously, having um, more uh, strings in your bow is always helpful in, in being able to be a bit more versatile. But um, I guess for me, that's definitely a focus, um, those uh, key forward attributes more and, um, yeah, being able to to be yeah, I guess looked at as as that as a key forward um that rather than you know something that's 50 50 or whatever and I think um yeah I've been really um yeah I guess clear that that is a focus and and what I want to um do for the team I'm a, I'm a little disappointed you didn't say oh, I want to be the, the star midfielder but <laughs> I, I think I think the, the key forward makes a bit more sense you did, you did star as a goal kicker last year, kicked seven goals in that ruck forward role. And you've also, you've, you've added some more forward firepower in the likes of uh, Jordan Membry coming from Collingwood and Matty Branca-Tosano who played in the forward half for Richmond as well. Um, how is that forward mix sort of looking and does that sort of change your role in a sense or is it something that will, I guess, benefit you because there's there's more um, more forwards to, to help you out? Yeah, I think um, the recruitment we've done is is super exciting for the likes of Branks and and Mems and um, even Ella Mora as mm. well. I think, um, and then uh, of of course we've got um, Jamie Stanton coming back in the mix too. So I think it's just super exciting for us as as a forward line group to have um, all of that talent available. Mm. Um, and I see that that is only going to add strength to us as a as a forward line group um and I think they all bring something slightly different to one another so I think that that diversity amongst our forward line um is going to be a real threat um that we can yeah continue to build upon in season eight um I guess for the likes of us tools that are in that forward line group it's it's exciting to have smalls that um I guess create that spark and and that excitement to watch as well you know the likes of Ashani Bush as well Mm -hmm. last season it's like you know you see that kind of um spark and talent um across the group and and yeah I think that that's going to be a real challenge hopefully for other people to play against yeah, nice. Actually, that fits into the next question, which is around like we we get very excited um, from a fantasy perspective because at the end of the day we we are largely a fantasy podcast um, about trades and new players and draftees and and debuts and all of that stuff from a statistics perspective. Um, mm. But something that's really exciting about the the Suns as a team is how much focus there is on like internal talent development. Um, how does it feel being part of a club that's got such a strong focus on that? And who are some of the like kind of young um, developing players that you've uh, enjoyed kind of training and growing alongside oh heaps of them to be <laughs> um but I think um yeah for me especially as a, as like a older player but also still new to football mm. it it's great for all of us to um be able to experience the benefits of that development as you say so um you know the likes of coming along to training and and lining up against Darcy Davis as well, you know, our young recruit this year Um, and just seeing that talent um, that's going to come through. Even we've done, um, obviously, in the autumn series, we had um, three games and we're able to play quite a lot of our academy and it's just phenomenal to see the talent that's that's in there. Um, And that's a credit to Sammy Isles, our assistant coach, who heads up the academy side of things um, because not only... 
are they individually talented, but their ability to, you know, play the way that Suns want to play as well means that, you know, we're communicating that sort of game style across the board and means that they can slot into that mix really easily, which, yeah, obviously puts the club in a really great position um, going forward in coming years that, you know, our draft picks are going to know exactly what we need them to do and be able to add to to any group pretty dynamically and pretty quickly. Um, but, yeah, I would say the, the the excitement is, I guess, seen right across the group, you know, the, the development that um, I've seen in the last two years or last year and a bit has, has been phenomenal um, across the group. And, you know, we, we seem to have a lot of players as well that have come across from different sports or are relatively new as well. So um, for people to hone in on their craft um, and Joyce's ability to really focus in on, on those small things that need to happen, yeah, it's, it's it's such an exciting time, as we said, at the Suns. And speaking of natural development, I think it's it's really hard, especially from a fantasy perspective, to not talk about Charlie Rowbottom, who we all know is an absolute star. And I think one of the things that um, for me is particularly exciting about Charlie Row- Rowbottom is the fact that she knocked back massive interest from Sydney to go play as their marquee player alongside her brother at the Swans. I guess that must give you really great confidence in the club and that a player like her is sticking around to help drive you guys and be one of those standard setters. Yeah, definitely. Um, yeah, 100%. You know, Charlie is a, a beast when it mm. comes to skill, but also training and um, the standards that she sets um, for the whole group is, yeah, you know, a, a benefit to all of us. Um, I think you're spot on in in being able to attract talent like that. I think the club is in a really great position. And, um, you know, once people get in these four walls, it's pretty clear what we're all working towards. And um, the contribution of individuals is going to be what gets us over the line and, and gets us to where we want to be. So people like Charlie in the ranks just just adds to that and um, sets that standard even more. But, yeah, I think overall, like, it, it's exciting to get on the track and know that you've got, 30 competitors that just want to give it your all. And I think that's probably something um, as a team that we pride ourselves on and, and being hard contested players and and that's the way we want to play. So, you know, having people at the front there like Charlie, you, you're never going to back down from a battle when you've got a contested ball winner like that. Yeah, absolutely. Although I, w- I will say if uh, Charlie Rowbottom can be a midfielder at 180 centimetres, I'm sure you can as well, Jack. So Don't worry. I, it's certainly not the the... <laughs> First time I've made the comment of put me in there, code. Let me have a crack at it. But um, yeah, my my running capacity is nothing like Charlie Robot and <laughs> Not not yet at least. But I do I do remember last year Tara Bahana saying that a lot of the players were sort of training and cross training across different roles. Has that really fed into that natural development as well? The the fact that a lot of your, your players are capable of playing across the park and getting that experience, um, just doing a variety of roles. Yeah, definitely. I think versatility, um, like I said, and that you know adds to that diversity of the playing group, and and that's what you want. And I think, um, you know, Joycey has a real focus on making sure we're developing our weapons as much as our work-ons. Um, you know, those areas that are room for improvement, and by going into different positions and and being able to play a variety of roles, I think you're able to really hone that craft and um, make sure that you're not just making the good better but also you know building up um those areas that you know might not always be your your fallback thing so um yeah I think that that means that 
it's competitive as a playing group, but it's also, um, yeah, exciting to be able to, you know, learn from each other and, and build each other up um, by sharing those those weapons across the board. Um, so one final question that we like to ask all of our interviewees, um, which is the one we asked Tara last time as well, if you can name <laughs> one player that's going to have a huge improvement in Season 8, either like a new player that's finding their feet or someone that's um, been working on themselves a lot and is expected to have a big year, who would you who would you put down? Um, I think this is going to be a bit of a breakout season, even though I know that she's played um, at the club for a number of years now. But Lucy Single has been Ooh. trained at House Down, um, and I think the the ability for um, Lucy to add um, just more strengths to the ever growing mm. of strengths has, has been huge. Her um I guess leadership and and willingness to step up and um yeah just bring hundred percent of herself to everything is is really exciting for us. And I think yeah she's the one to watch out for for this season. It's actually interesting you say that because that's a player that we've been looking at with a lot of interest. Um so I'm very excited to hear that from you. Last year, Tara actually said Daisy Darcy, and uh, Mel, Mel and I were just thinking it'd be very funny if you said her as well. But <laughs> Lucy, Lucy Single, that's a fantastic, uh, mm. fantastic pick because that's a player once again that we were watching with great interest. So very fantasy relevant. Player. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. No, I think I think she'll get you some points. Um, but yeah, definitely don't discount Daisy Darcy. She's a superstar in and of herself. Um, yeah, there's there's plenty that I could probably say, but yeah, I think um I think I'll yeah put my money on Lucy. Yeah, and one Jack DePay in the uh, in the forward line as well for for the big points I reckon. <laughs> there's full forward points. <laughs> yeah, yeah, see how we go. Awesome, it's been such a pleasure. Thank you for joining us for the chat. No, thank you so much for having me. Thank you. Cheers. Yeah, great stuff there, and. I said it before the interview, but I can't believe I picked another leadership group member. You've really been part of their selection process. Yeah, absolutely. Oh, okay. Well, before we announce it, we'll throw it on with Will, have a chat. Yep, definitely. Um, look, I, I think me and Mel were, were pretty pretty happy to hear some interesting names in that discussion, but the important thing here is who you reckon is important. So, Liam, let's jump into your top five for the Suns. Who do you have as your most fantasy-relevant son? It's it's a player that you did mention in the interview, and it's Charlie Rowbottom. I think we really did see an explosion last season. She took her average up from a 67 all the way up to an 89, which makes her a, a top 10 fantasy player this year, well, for last season. The reason why I've got her as the most relevant is I'm really just trying to think about like who could actually take that next step up into the kind of uber elite frame and... If you watch Charlie Rowbottom, you know that she gets so many of her fantasy points from inside game. It's not like she's already got a necessarily like well-rounded inside and outside game. The fact that she's able to average that 89, whilst amongst, I think, like the top 15 scorers, I think she might have close to the fewest marks and the fewest meters gained, speaks to the room for growth that she has. Like, I, I, I see a world where Charlie Rowbottom pushes into that kind of top five echelon. Yeah, I completely agree. And she's still 20 years old, you know. She's so she played one year, one year of So football. much scope for improvement. I think Charlie Robottom's a huge chance to become a, a regular 90-plus averaging player over the next decade, I suppose. So I, I think this is a great option. 
and and obviously it's difficult kind of to see linear growth from players. It, like if it was a keeper league and you could have this player forever, like Charlie Robottom would be very high on the list of players you'd need. But I don't know necessarily if this like slam dunk, that's where she's going to go. But I think unlike when we talked at, about Geelong, it, there was like other players in the mix that meant that, oh, I was a bit trepidatious about saying that all players would increase. I think it's actually the lack of like another superstar in that midfield that means that it's Charlie Robottom's oyster. Like she can really take the game wherever she wants to go. And I think that that could lead to a mid to high 90s average. Yeah, I agree. And she didn't drop below 85 after round four last season. That's consistency you dream of. Oh, she was an app. She was absolutely ridiculously consistent and a caption option too. Like, that was the other thing that I think we really do need to think about is if for whatever reason we don't have uh, Marinoff or Turbo, it's a, it becomes a little bit more of a, a dicey prospect to pick who our uh, who our captain should be and someone that can go at, you know, scores of 118, 105 and then a bulk scores in the 90s. Those are captainable scores. Yeah, absolutely. So your number two is a player that interests me because two years in a row... This is a player who's been very highly spoken of by our interviewees. Yes, but I want to just preface this by saying we've really changed the tenor of player we're talking about here. Like Charlie Robottom's absolute fantasy superstar top 10 pick. Top what? Sorry, top pick. Then we're moving across to Daisy Darcy, who is a completely different fantasy player and has nowhere near the same fantasy pedigree. But, but, but... There's just something about the way she plays. Like, she is clearly very talented. I think she was the youngest ever player to get drafted to the AFLW. So even though she's in her about to start her fourth season of football, I think she's still only 19. Like, it, it, and she has that kind of very natural, talented, like, you're playing down as a back at the moment, down in defense, but looks very natural on the ball, has a great kick, and yeah, like you said, I, I can't stop myself from going like two members of the leadership group in a row have mentioned Dizzy Darcy as someone that will improve. And we're now very much like what we were doing at Brisbane. We were trying to predict who would take Batesy's role in the midfield. I'm trying to think about, well, who could be the player that takes... Jay Progelli's role. <laughs> yes, obviously. No, Ellie Hampson, Ellie Hampson's role in the midfield. Because I'd... I, I really can't reiterate this enough. Like that midfield pet group at the Suns was so tight. Uh, we've talked about it on like multiple episodes at this point during the preseason, but it was just four people, four midfielders. And then if one of those midfielders, Ellie, wasn't playing, one player would go in. Once it was Anissa that Bradfield, the other time it was Lucy Single. And then when Ellie was back, they would come out and not see any more midfield time. Now, Daisy Darcy wasn't one of those two people, but on the talent side, she's definitely someone you've got to think about. And she's a defender. She'll be priced at 50, which is below, well, like decently below the kind of what I expect to be the top price defenders. It's one definitely, to, if we see any preseason reports and if I was going to predict who it could be, she would be very high on the list. Yeah, absolutely. And I think my only concern is that I worry that she's going to improve, but from a football perspective and become possibly like an all-Australian half-back while averaging 50. And it's, I think it's, it's purely role-dependent. 
And I think she's going to improve regardless of that role this season. But as you've said, we need to see where she's going to be playing and what that role will be. Because if, if she is playing a bit in the midfield, if she can push that average up towards that 60, she's all, all of a sudden in the conversation as a top five defender. Yeah, I think I think that's like what we're looking at here. We're looking at a top five, a roughy, but a top five potential defender. Yeah. Well, you've mentioned the very tight Gold Coast midfield once again, and you've also thrown up the name that you have at your number three, and it's a name that Jack DePie mentioned. Who's your number three? Yeah, it's Lucy Single. Of the of the two of, of, of the two players who replaced Ellie Hampson last year, she's the only one that's still on the list with Anise Bradfield being at the Suns. That the Giants, you mean? Uh, yes, that's the one. I think that Lucy Single was already on my radar as well. She's hung around. She's got. I think she got onto a list very late in a preseason, but partly because she was a, an endurance runner. Um, I think she might have even won the two K time trial when she first made the list. So that was already on my radar. Then hearing what you guys what you guys talked about with Lucy, with Jack, I think that. As someone who's going to be priced at 37, who could be the midfielder, I think that's a, a fascinating prospect. Yeah, I, I think the only concern for me with Lucy Single is that she is priced slightly above rookie price, but otherwise I think it's a a pretty fair selection. It does sound like she's going to be probably first cab off the rank for that midfield role. So if you're able to squeeze her in, I think it's fairly low risk. It's just a, just a price issue, I think. I think it is unfortunate that it's going to be a price issue. I think that if there was a world where we were fielding, you know, five defenders, five forwards, and say seven midfielders, mm. she would be much hot, much, much, much more likely to make my team. Yeah, agreed. It's because she's going to be in a midfield where we're already stacking up options now from Collingwood. I think Gene Anscorn's going to be in there. You're really starting to run out of people to pick, run out of space. Yeah, agreed. I suppose what interests me is you've actually thrown up another option for that midfield group, and this was a play we were all pretty keen on last year before an unfortunate injury. Who's your number four? Yeah, so the number four pick is Alana G, who again comes with fairly decent wraps, but didn't play a single game last year. A relatively high draft pick for the Suns, because she came from their academy. It's obviously a, a different situation, but a very, very talented sport like person in general, as someone who has been targeted as a midfielder, I know that she's probably not the highest on the list of players that will take midfield time, but she will be basement price rookie as a midfielder. It's definitely one where when we watch the match simulations and the practice matches, definitely we need to be watching for what Alana G looks like. If she's playing a midfield role, even a wing role, I would happily take, I think. Mm-hmm. It's definitely a name that we need to have on our on our watch list because she was talked about last preseason. It's unfortunate we didn't get her. We just need to keep watching out for her because I do think there's some fantasy pedigree there. It sounded like she was a pretty decent accumulator at uh, Quaffle junior level. Yeah, and I think that you're right. It's going to be what role she gets, how she can fit into that team. And I even wonder if she might be the sort of player that could be a bit of a Lucy single next season where she'll play a few games with a lowish average and then can burst onto the scene next year. But if she gets early game time, particularly, she could be a good option. Otherwise, she might be a downgrade option. That's also possible. It might be one of those ones where she doesn't start the season, but if she comes in later, it's a name that you definitely need to be pre-aware of. Yeah, I agree with that. So 
Usually we uh, reserve the special for the non-host, but you've got a pretty special one here as, as your number five, and I really like this this one. It's a bit more specky. Who have you got at number five? Well, okay, you say it's speculative, but I'm going to defend myself here. <laughs> so the fifth player I've got is Kara McCrossan. She came in as a draftee uh, towards the back end of the recent supplemental draft. She is out of the Casey Demons last season. Sorry, Casey Demons... VFLW side, but originally from Ireland. Now, I'm mentioning her because we actually have some data for what she looks like playing at a decent level of football, and she'll be basement priced. Unfortunately, the Suns don't have a you know a swath of super highly relevant players, so I've thrown Karama Crossan down. She played as a forward and as a halfback for the Casey Demons. She has a ceiling in the 70s. I think that there's reason to believe that if she's named not as a midfielder in the game, as a defender or a forward, I think you could quite reasonably have her as someone at the end of your bench. Is someone who could maybe average 30 to 35 points. We've seen that when she kicks goals, like in a, in a prelim final for Casey against the Southern Saints, you know, she had 15 touches and a goal and, and 75 points. That's a pretty good fantasy pedigree. I think that that's definitely a name again for your black book. Even if she doesn't start the season, she'll be basement priced. And there's some fantasy pedigree there. Yeah, agree. Uh, to me, that sounds like a classic future downgrade option. Yeah, 100%. Yeah. But I, that's the kind of, that's the thing with the Suns that they're not filled with super highly relevant options all the time. But players like this, where we've got data to back up the fact that we know that they've played at a decent level before and they're coming into a side that, may need that kind of forward goal scoring, we'll take it. Yeah, for sure. It's now time for everyone's favourite section, which is the, the host special, so the Will special. I do want to quickly say uh, apologies to Ali Drennan, who we, we have completely ignored despite being a very consistent, <laughs> uh, very consistent fantasy scoring midfielder. But the, the player I've gone for, we've mentioned her before, Jamie Stanton, ACL injury last season, had an average of 18 due to a zero in the second round when she did it. She's going to come in underpriced. We think she'll be priced around about a 53, which puts her in that awkward injury sort of area. I think it's definitely an option. She's capable of consistent plus 60 averages, so you're probably going to get a fair bit of a price increase. The one caveat for this one, and I know you're itching to say it, is we've got players like Bree Davy and Britt Benici. I don't think she's got the ceiling there, um, but... It's one of those ones where if you decide to go completely injury in your midfield, so you go Davy, Benici, Stanton as your M3 to get money elsewhere, it would be an interesting tactic. But I I think that there's value there. I'm not sure the value is there the same as probably some of those other ones. Well, I don't even need to be on these episodes at this point. You throw out these player names and you go, I know what you're going to say. Yeah. That's, yep. that's what I would have said. <laughs> yeah, exactly. We, we, we've, we've done this enough times that we know exactly what each other are going to say. But um, yeah, I, th- I think it's one of those ones where it might even be see how she comes out because if she comes out a bit slower out of the block, she might even drop lower and you might get an even cheaper, cheaper That option. would honestly be better. Yeah. So I think that's probably a pretty good summary of the Gold Coast Suns. Uh, we might wrap it up there. So as always... Go check out our socials at FreeKickWPod on Twitter and Instagram. We've got the Gold Coast Best 21 up for you to give a bit of a look at. Uh, in the meantime, we're going to keep going with this series as always. Liam, where can they find you? And you can find me on Twitter at LiamAFLWFantasy. And you can find me on Instagram and Twitter at 
Will H underscore VI. Thank you, everyone, for listening to this Gold Coast Suns episode. Stick around for our next episode whenever that comes out because we'll be talking the GWS Giants, and that is going to be an exciting one. Absolutely. See you then, guys. See you, everyone.